I want my work to make an impact in whatever we're doing. I want my working out. I hope that I inspire others to work out and live a healthier lifestyle. And then for my family, my goal with them is for each individual person in my family, I want to lead them in to be the best versions of themselves. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Mind Your Marketing. Today on the show, I have Sean Madsen. He is a Navy SEAL turned entrepreneur. He owns companies Matbox and Cardomax. We get into his career after leaving the teams, starting his own businesses, how he's grown those brands, and how a content opportunity came around with Mr. Beast. If you love entrepreneurship, you love American stories, I think this is going to be an episode for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hey, Sean, welcome to the show. How you doing? Hey, good. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you on, man. So I want to hop right into, you know, your career, but your career post SEALs. You get out, you tell the boys, okay, I'm, I'm going out. I'm done with this chapter. I'm going to move on to my next. What, what's that day one like when you're back in the civilian world? And then walk me through kind of your path to starting a company. Yeah. So, well, I guess day one really started a few months before, right? Because, you know, I was a SEAL platoon commander getting ready to deploy, getting ready to, you know, take my guys on a deployment. And so I had told them before we went on deployment that this was going to be my last deployment with them. And obviously, like my goal is to put all my effort into making sure we all come back safely. So they knew for months, I had a lot of conversations with guys like, dude, don't leave. Like we need, like, like we want you to stay, like, you know, this, but my family life at the time, I needed to get out so I could be a dad first. And that was really the most important for me. I was going through a divorce. We were already separated. I knew that this was, and then the deployment really solidified that. It was like eight, nine hours ahead of them trying to communicate with them when they were younger. It was very difficult to do that. But to your question about that day one, basically like I'm no longer going into the platoon space with those guys was a little bit of excitement, but also but very scary too. Cause like from the time I was 12 years old, I wanted to be a SEAL. And then I got that right after college, became a SEAL and then served for 13 years. And so that was really, you know, my identity. So it took me about three years to really kind of find my next kind of purpose. And what was that? Yeah. So for me, I have three things that fill my time that, you know, really are what I do. And it was a mentor of mine, a guy named Bob Lowden asked me, what do you want your tombstone to say when you die? And, and I was like, uh, I don't know. And he was like, all right, but in three sentences or less, like, what do you want it to say? And so for me, it's my work, my working out and my family, not necessarily in that order, not necessarily like in, like I said, in that priority, it just kind of rolls off the tongue easier, I guess. But like for my work, I want my work to make an impact in whatever we're doing. I want my working out. I hope that I inspire others to work out and live a healthier lifestyle. And then for my family, my goal with them is for each individual person in my family, I want to lead them in to be the best versions of themselves. So whether they want to be a dancer, an artist, a baseball player, a football player, whatever it is, I want to lead them to be the best in whatever they want to be in for life. I like that. Peter Atia, the doctor, he always says there's resume virtues and tombstone virtues, and we need to get back to our, our tombstone virtues a little yeah, bit more like when, we're, when we're so, look how many sales I did last month or whatever. We get all caught up in the business world, and I'm, I, I really like that as a centering piece. So that's cool to hear those three for you. I think, too, the thing is, is when you 
the hardest thing for military guys is that transition. And, and I know we talked earlier about sports, same thing. I say military just because I know, right. But, you know, playing division one, you know, athletics, professional baseball players, you know, whatever your career is, whenever you make that transition, if you've known something for 10, 12, 13 years, sometimes 20, 25 years, that truly becomes like that identity part. And when you shift and do something no longer that, right, it's hard for people and they have a hard time making that transition. And I think for me, when that was asked of me, it put everything back into clarity. And now it's like, I focus and look at my calendar and everything in my calendar is color coordinated, you know, whether it's like work or family or things like that. And so I know I fill up my calendar and I think this whole adage of like work-life balance is just a whole bunch of crap because as soon as you put something in balance, you immediately halfway do something, right? So if you put 50% into your family, you're only putting 50% into your work. So you're only given half of what it is. And so rather than look at it from that, aspect of it, like whatever I'm focused on. So like right now I'm at work, I'm focused on work. I'm not focused on my family life. I'm not focused on anything to do with my family. I'm not focused on my work and out right now. I'm focused on my work. I'm not, and that's what I'm focused on. And I try to knock out as much work as I can during this time block. And then later on this evening, I've got to go be a dad. And so then I focus on being a dad and being a parent being a husband, doing my family duties for that period of time. I try not to pick up my phone to do work. I try not to pick up my phone to do anything else other than be there in the moment and be a family man first. And then when they go to sleep or when they do stuff, then I pick up you know, my work again. <laughs> yeah, that, the focus and intentionality behind actions, right? It, because on the flip side of that, what it looks like is trying to be a dad, trying to answer emails and do pushups while watching a movie. And you're going to do all four of those things poorly, right? So if you do them all at once, so I'm with you there. It's funny about that. So like my schedule has kind of shifted today and I I went longer on a couple of meetings earlier this morning. And so I actually had a workout right before this. And so like I changed, I went and I was getting ready to go work out, looked down. I was like, man, I could make this workout happen in 25 minutes, but it's just going to be a crappy workout. So like I just slid it now. So I put it into another time block later on in the later part of the day. And like I said, that everything's color coordinated. Everything is in there. So like if I do have, so at the end of the day, if an emergency comes up, I can move things around and, and I can make that happen and not feel like everything is an emergency. Everything's on my hair on fire situation and you know, ADD sets in. <laughs> Yeah. No, that makes sense. I think it's really important too, as an entrepreneur to be able to realize not everything is a, you know, not everything's on fire at the business all the time. Cause it can start to feel like that when you have the responsibility of the whole business, you know, on your shoulders or even though it might not be, you have team, et cetera. But for you, you transition, you start Matbox, you hit the Inc. 5,000 list three times in a row, I believe. How have you handled that growth going from idea to like, holy shit, this is a real thing with employees and, you know, warehouses and prototypes and all of that. It sounds like it's come pretty fast. So how do you handle, yeah, how have you handled the growth over that 36 month window? We have grown really quickly in the last three years, but I will say Mapoc has been around for 13 years. So we actually started the business while we were active and it was kind of just this side hustle, side project thing that we were working on. We had a couple of products and technologies that we had. Nobody was focused on the business. Nobody was focused on sales, but we did continually just see like a slow growth. I think like year one, I think we did like a couple thousand dollars in sales or whatever that was. And then year two, it was like 50 or 60 
$60,000 and then 100,000 and just kind of slowly made this growth to, you know, where the last three years, I mean, we've basically been double and we've been doing, you know, millions and then double millions and, and keep doing, you know, bigger and bigger numbers where, you know, now we're doing, you know, mid eight figures business and really starting to see this like thing growing out to, we've got 40 employees, you know, we've got massive contracts that we're, we're bidding on and we're chasing down where, you know, like one of these contracts is all 13 years of business and like one of these contracts, you know, it's like hundred, $200 million type contracts where it's just like, holy crap. Like, I can't believe, you know, this has now come to fruition, right? While it has seemed fast. It's been 13 years, you know, and one of the things that I think Zach and I do a really good job of is being able to build out that team and build, you know, kind of the disciplines within each individual team so that it's not just on me. It's not just on him. It's not just on one person, but we try to build in those redundancies in, into our team, build in, you know, kind of processes into each step so that, People are cross-trained and things. So if someone moves out or someone leaves a company, everything just doesn't fall. Even if it's a, a single point of failure in terms of like, we only have one person in this seat, other people know how to do that job as well. We attribute that back to the teams really, because that's what they taught us is like, you might have one primary sniper and they're the best at the job and they're going to be your primary sniper for the next two years. But you need to have at least three or four guys that also know how to be a sniper so that if for whatever reason he gets tasked somewhere else, like you still have a sniper that you can go to war with. Yeah, that makes sense. Taking that mindset and those learnings to have those, you said like the redundancies or somebody covering third, right? Yeah. It's that mindset to come and go, okay, just in case we know, you know, may have this here. Yeah. Somebody gets sick yeah. or something on a day that you have to have a meeting. Okay. Who can come in and pinch hit, take that meeting? Who can do that? Who can make sure that the business still moves, you know, maybe not at a hundred percent efficiency, but at 85% of that, you know, so that's massive. Now, in my research, I saw you uh, had a fun video online. I believe the video is close to 200 million views now where you had to chase down Mr. Beast. Uh, how the hell did that come about your desk? Like, did you know who he was before you signed up for it? What was that like? So I did, but it was like a, a recent thing that my kids, so I have four kids. I have a, a 14, 11, four and two. So kind of a gap, but my two older kids and, and really my, my son, my 11 year old son, he was like into Mr. Beast and still is like loves watching his shows and stuff like that. And was talking about him and how, and so like me as a, you know, curious parent, like I was like, well, let me see this. Like, cause he's like glued to, you know, the phone for, you know, 10, 20 minutes at a time watching these videos and wanting to watch him over and over. I was like, all right. So I watched one of them. I was like, man, this guy's actually like, I love what he's about. Right. Like I love the fact that he's using his platform to try to do good things and all these things like that. And lo and behold, like a few months later, we got asked through a couple friends of ours that are in uh, veterans and they were like, Hey, there's an opportunity to work with a large like content creator. And they're looking for three military guys that all have similar backgrounds or that know each other. And I was like, Oh yeah, I mean, I'm sure that I could put something together. And then like they contacted us back and they're like, Hey, they want three SEALs or three army SF guys or Rangers. Like they want three of the same and all friends and all this stuff like that. And I was like, okay, that's a little bit more difficult, but like, I actually have that here at Mapbox. Like our VP is a former SEAL, my business partner and I, we were all SEALs. And so they were like, 
Okay. And so we went through casting call and everything like that and found out that it was with Mr. Beast. And they were talking about like, hey, they want to do a, um, another version of, they had previously done, I think it was, um, I got hunted by a bounty hunter or something like that. I think it was like the first one that they did. And so this was a the next version of that. And then I think they've done a couple others since then, like an assassin or something like that, that they had. So yeah, it came literally over the internet type situation. And then we did a casting call with their people. And then they said, Hey, look, like you guys are going to be it. You're going to be in the video. And then it just happened that all three of us were going to be in town. Like I think Zach ended up having to fly down from somewhere and Jim was doing something. I was doing something. And so we ended up all like meeting (laughs) in North Carolina to go film. And like, we were going to be there for like 24 hours or whatever it was. And then we all went three separate ways right after, but it was just one of those like random days that it all worked. So it was cool. That's cool. Did it teach you anything about next level, I guess, content production for your own brand? Did you take anything away? They are a small, like what I would assume, like when you go to like a movie set, I mean, they're a small movie production crew. The amount of logistics that go into one of their videos was just mind blowing. And, and, and that was all local too, for, you know, most of the part, you know, I can only imagine some of these ones that are, you know, international or, you know, multi sites like this, like some of the ones they've done where they're like multi international sites, right. And what the logistics and what's required, because, you know, you have to get permits for all of that. You have to have all this stuff like done out properly. You have to get permits. You have to get um, authorizations from this. Like, I mean, in the amount of money and effort that it goes into making these videos was just incredible. I mean, you know, we started filming in the afternoon and finished at midnight. So, I mean, this is 12 to 18 hours of filming from the time we said, you know, action. Here we go for 11 minute, 12 minute video. (laughs) It's wild. When I realized that his videos, I think on average beat the Super Bowl for viewership, I was, that's when I was like, what? I've never heard of this guy. And I'm a little bit past the age demo where I'm like, what the hell is this? And then you're right. You you go in and see, and you're, you see that they're uh, very meticulously planned and well done. And uh, very impressive. I would say the other thing, if you haven't go, go listen to his uh, interview on Joe Rogan. I don't know if you have or not, but his interview on Joe Rogan is, it's almost awkward because he's so passionate about one thing and that's YouTube. Have you seen it? I loved it when it was like, what do you think about, you know, he's asking him all these other questions. Yeah. He's like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, I don't speak on that. Like I basically, I only care about YouTube. I don't care about politics. Like I only care about you. Would I be able to find that on YouTube? And he's and Joe's like, I, I mean, Joe Rogan's like, I, I mean, I guess maybe. And he's like, I have to look it up, but uh, you know, I don't know. And I'm just like, that to me was just, and it's so incredible that that discipline. And, and even Joe Rogan says it in there is just like the discipline that you have as a you know whatever he is, 23, 24 year old, like is just incredible to think about. He's got the Kobe Bryant gene. Yeah, he's definitely got that the Mamba mentality thing where I'm like, oh, you are up at 4am plotting videos. You're different and you have that discipline and he's worked that discipline muscle and it's really impressive. It is. Now, I want to move on a little bit because you had Mapbox and then you start Cardomax, which is an electrolyte mix. And there's a bunch of different ones, sorry, that you have in the line. But what caused you to say, okay, we got this successful business. Let's start a supplement company. How did that all come to be? So Zach and I are really passionate about technology. And while it's a supplement, right, what we developed was the technology that we call accelerated absorption technology. So it's taking your body is majority water, 
When you look at a lot of these convenient single serve packets and things like that, they're either a powder, a tablet, or some kind of tub of like single serve tub scoops. The problem with those powders is they're not actually emulsified into the liquid once they go into there. And so that causes your body, when you start drinking it, it takes 20 to 40 minutes to assimilate into your body. And generally speaking, you're only going to get about 30% of whatever's on the back of the packet. Sometimes you might get up to 40% if you're super hydrated and whatever. But I mean, there's, you know, study after study after study about this, about how like whenever you inject foreign objects into your body, like it doesn't know what to necessarily do, which is why when you go to the ER and you're dehydrated or they're trying to give you medicine, they give you an IV and they put medicine into you in a liquid form because they know that it's going to get into your system immediately and you're getting everything in there, right? And so it's science why this happens. And for us, it was like, we're really interested in how you do this in a single serve packet form. So like a ketchup packet, really. And then knowing that our guys and all these austere locations, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan, you know, Middle East, wherever, you know, they're going to have access to water. But if they didn't have access to water, they could always shoot the packet straight. It's not the most enjoyable thing, but because it is a liquid, you could shoot the packet straight. You could get the electrolytes or energy or whatever it is out of that packet, a little bit of cap full of water, and you've washed out any like, you know, like sour taste or anything like that out of your mouth. That's interesting. So coming from seeing that problem set of people who are maybe deployed or in the Middle East, et cetera, where, yeah, they might not have the water. Okay. They can put the liquid down. And then taking that now to say it's also very functional for the marathoner in Texas who can go, okay, they come home, rip it, throw it in. They know their electrolytes are taken care of. Do you all run that business out of the same location as Matbox? Yeah, we sure do. Everything is here. We're in Virginia Beach. We have almost about 20,000 square feet here. You know, majority of it is Mapbox. Cardamax doesn't take up much space. Primarily, you know, it the space that we take up is some warehouse space and shipping, but that's about it. That's cool. And how do you split your focus between the brands? So I would say initially, a lot of my time was focused on Cardamax, getting that established and kind of getting that moving and really just kind of getting it into a pace. But now my focus is back on Mapbox primarily because the dynamic of, you know, some of the business that we have on the Mapbox side of things is, you know, our shipping team like thinks it's hilarious. It's like, we'll ship out hundreds and hundreds of orders for Cardamax. We'll ship out like one order of Mapbox. The one order of Mapbox is like 15x what the card, all of the hundreds of orders of Cardamax are. And it's just like, they're like, I only had to make up a couple boxes and you're having to make up 300 boxes. And, you know, and, but with the government contracts and other things like that, you know, some of these, and also, you know, we manufacture everything here. We have a production team, sewing team, laser cutting, all that stuff here in Virginia Beach. And so some of our products on the Mapbox side of things might take 18 weeks from manufacturing to actually shipping the final product on the contract. So it's one of those things that it's built in and it's just a slow methodical process with that. The uh, measure twice, cut once approach. Nobody would wait 18 weeks for a hydration packet. (laughs) Yeah, no, they want it yesterday, right? Amazon now, give it to me now. That's cool though. I think you've seen so much of business, whether it's fast fashion, a lot of DTC brands, a lot of companies where I would say it's been speed over quality over the last 10 years and people thinking, how can I make the cheapest thing and just make my margin on it? And I'm really seeing at least on our agency side and consumer behavior and people I talk to, 
people are willing to wait, pay more for quality. Yeah. Where I'm putting, I'm seeing this shift back to an emphasis on durability. People want to have things that are, yeah, it's made in America or made in Canada or made somewhere where we're like, we know the workers were treated right, great, and we know that it's going to last. Yeah. So that yeah. I definitely give you all kudos on that because I think that it's been something that's been missing, you know, from the mainstream where we get a lot of those people measuring once and cutting seventeen times. Yeah. I feel like. So, yeah, Mapbox uh, definitely a, a premium brand, even within the military sector of stuff. And, and we do it, but we take pride in it. We inevitably, you know, when you're hand sewing stuff and you're doing stuff, I mean, you're going to have product that fail on something, you know, it wasn't backstitched properly or something, right? But we own it, we repair it, we fix it. We, we make sure the customer is treated with that same level of customer service that they were expecting knowing they paid for a premium brand they get that premium service that you know it's not just a automated like email like hey <laughs> it's coming yeah. <laughs> so. yeah we hope it gets there now out of all this right i've seen an emergence or maybe just more with social media and the popularity in veteran owned brands a lot of guys are starting to whether it's black rifle coffee Mapbox, you're looking at there's a lot of them and it's awesome to see and I'm just curious, is that community connected? Are you connected to a lot of those guys who, you know, do you help support each other or is it kind of fragmented? I'd say it. I think it's both. I'm connected with Evan and those guys at Black Rifle Coffee, like, you know, even early on, like before they IPO'd and all this other stuff. I mean, I, actually, I got connected with those guys through Jared through Mapbox. So he was buying some of our products at the unit he was at before he got out. And so it just kind of evolved into this, you know, friendship relationship that we have where like we were, you know, supporting each other and other stuff like that. Obviously, they've well beyond eclipsed where we're at and growth and things like that with what they've done with Black Rifle Coffee and things like that. But, you know, still reach out to them. Actually, I had a, a picture a couple of weeks ago that showed up and I texted JT and was just like, hey, man, like, it's crazy that this was six years ago, you know, and different things. I think there is definitely that. But then there's also there is a lot of fragmentation in terms of the veteran community because you have competitive brands. So you have other coffee companies or other T-shirt companies or other brands that are coming in in the veteran space. And so then they start getting this like, wait, that's not it's mine. It's mine. It's mine. And I know we try to position ourselves as being different where even if it's a competitive brand, like, so, you know, another veteran company that makes military tactical gear, right? Like we offer different things that they don't so that we can still, um, we call them frenemies. We can be friend enemies. <laughs> so like there's stuff like that, that we try to do and still support and do. And I mean, at the end of the day, like whether buying our stuff or someone else's stuff, I think it's good for veterans. I think it's also good for Americans just to see business owners. And also like, you know, if I was another coffee company and, you know, I was friends with, you know, Evan and those guys and things like that, like, like at the end of the day, I wouldn't want to piss them off and I want to be friends with them. I want to support their business and hope that one day maybe they want to buy me. Right. Like, I don't know. I mean, you just never know where some of these things could go. And at the end of the day, we don't try to burn any bridges or even if they're direct competitors to our stuff, like I'm not going to badmouth their products to try to sell mine. I'm going to tell you the facts of their products. And I'm going to tell you the facts of my products. And and at the end of the day, it's for the customer to, to figure out which one's the best for him or her or whatever. But it's not, you know, you don't want to buy for those guys. Those guys are garbage. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. More so the, the rising tide raising all ships. And I also think 
friendly competition is healthy. I think it brings out the best and pushes innovation because if things were just being handed down or there was no competition, that's when people start to rest on their laurels and the innovation slows, right? But when you have that that healthy competition, I think it's good. Sean, this has been awesome, man. For people who want to find out more about your brands and connect with you online, where should they head? So I'd say the easiest is just, you know, follow me, Sean.Matson, M-A-T-S-O-N, kind of on all the different social media platforms. I've got links to Mapbox, to Cardamax. I try to show some things on that, try to show things on entrepreneurship, you know, family, working out, kind of all the stuff we talked about, my kind of three things. I just kind of use that as my my revolving, you know, what I post about as well. So awesome. And I'll put links to Sean's profiles in the show notes so you can go connect with him. Thanks again for coming on, coming on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. That's it for this episode. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. I'll catch you next time. 